I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The best way to find out what to create is to go to the people that are selling it and say, what are you guys looking for? What can I create that you can sell? This is BIPOC Credits, a podcast highlighting BIPOC crew members working in the BC film industry. Listen in to stories from behind the scenes of your favorite films and TV shows. Together, let's celebrate the progress we've seen so far in becoming a more diverse film industry. Plus, learn how you can be a part of the BC film industry. Here's your host, Andy Wong. Hello, welcome to our first official episode of our second season of BIPOC Credits. Today, we have a very special guest, a producer and line producer from Bright Lights, one of the biggest production companies in Vancouver. Aaron Au is responsible for TV shows such as Netflix's Firefly Lane, Next, which you can find on Disney+, and the upcoming feature film Float with our very own BC native Andrea Bang as one of the leads. The producer's job can be pretty ambiguous sometimes, but Aaron gives a really good breakdown on the different stages of producing, from prep, shoot, even to distribution. He breaks down how production companies look for new projects and different ways they approach financing films. Aaron also used to be a stunt coordinator and he talks about how he was able to transition from one department into another. In this episode, he gives a lot of great philosophical insight about filmmaking. If you're an independent filmmaker or have a passion for producing and making your own films, I think you'd really like our conversation. So stay tuned till the end of the episode where we will announce a very cool partnership with the local film group that we have. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Aaron Au. I would like to welcome on the show Aaron Au. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Aaron has worked on many films as a stunt performer and has now transitioned into producing. Uh, he's currently producing uh, shows like uh, Netflix's Firefly, as well as other independent films that are uh, on the docket, but uh, we're not allowed to talk about yet. So thanks for joining us, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. A little correction. I did Firefly Lane season one. Uh, I really wish it was Firefly the sci-fi but uh that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that was a long time ago yeah that my mistake uh, firefly lane with netflix uh so aaron uh, I, I would love to start with um what a producer really does because there's so many different uh, uh answers to this one so i'd love to hear your take on it um well uh as you said there's so many answers <laughs> um you know there's uh, a thousand different versions of a producer uh in general the producer is the the person who kind of puts everything together uh, actually i i'll say it this way i like to i think of producing um and filmmaking as uh and this is where the business side comes in if you think of it like an entrepreneur um the producer is an entrepreneur their job is to go out and find a product to develop it, to raise money for it, to bring it to market and to sell it and then hopefully make money. And a lot of people in the film industry, you know, because it's an art that we do, we don't think of it that way. But literally, that's kind of what a producer does. So that's like from A to Z, taking a project, you know, uh, finding a script or a writer or an idea um, or maybe a book to adapt. 
um, getting it developed, um, getting it financed, getting, you know, cast and director and all that kind of stuff, making the movie and, you know, finishing the movie and selling the movie. So that's like the big do everything independent world <laughs> uh, um, producer. Um, there's many types of producers that d just do a portion of that. So again, like there's development executives that are, you know, like producers, they just do the development portion. Um, there's line producers who just do the production portion. Um, and then there's a myriad of kind of in the middle that do um, uh, a lot of different things. So yeah, it really depends. Again, like, you know, we have film and television. They're two similar but quite different worlds and how they're put together and how they're produced. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work in kind of both sides of producing. So the development side and the line producing or what we call service production side. Um, so service production is where, you know, somebody hires us to help produce their film. Um, most likely it's someone from outside of town and they want to bring their show to Vancouver and we help put it together and, and run it. Um, take care of all the budgets, crewing, um, make sure the creative is being, you know, executed to what they want and all that kind of stuff. Right. And um, is there a specific uh, part of that that you specialize in with, um, I guess, the pr production company that you're working with right now? Um, I wouldn't say I specialize. Um, there's a few of us that straddle both sides. Um I like to think that I excel at both. <laughs> um, um, I do enjoy, uh, I do really enjoy both sides. Um, the service production side, and honestly, I never intended uh, to line produce. I really wanted to focus on being a creative. And, and a lot of people see line producing as kind of logistical and, you know, um, budgeting and numbers and dealing with crew and stuff like that, um, which it is, but I did find having a creative mind and a creative understanding really helps with the job. And then there is a creative side in working numbers and working crew and working logistics to find out ways to help support a director or an actor or a writer. So there is a very big creative side to it that if you understand, um, it really helps you do your job. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when things are changing so quickly because of certain things going wrong, you really have to put your creative input on like how much money you're, you can actually spend in order to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, can you talk about like what a day in the life of uh, of what you do is like on a, a shooting day, for example? Um, on a shooting day, it, it depends. Again, like movie and TV is very different. Um, a movie we would prep, you know, for X amount of weeks or months. And once the show starts shooting, um, it's really about maintaining the, uh, the execution of the prep making sure things are, you know, in line with crew and people needing to be where they need to be and all that kind of stuff. And it's general kind of overseeing everything to make sure everything's falling into place. And then again, a big part of the job is fixing problems when they come up and it's kind of sit around and wait for a problem and fix it. That's a big, big part of uh, especially filmmaking, feature films, when the show's actually running. Television is a little bit different because television, you're constantly shooting and prepping at the same time. So, um, you know, once you've prepped the first episode and they start filming, you're on to prepping the next episode. So it's this kind of cycle of constant, constant, constant prep. Meanwhile, keeping an eye on what's going on set and scheduling and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually a little bit heavier uh, workload wise um, because you're not only helping problem solve on set, you're problem solving, you know, oh, we couldn't find this location or, you know, we this cast isn't available that day and we need to change the schedule and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 
but again, it really like when people ask me what I do all day and all I can say is I problem solve. Yeah. Right. On features where when you're not problem solving, you can at least take a little bit of a bit of a break on television. When you're not problem solving, you're prepping for the next show. Yeah. And, and, and prepping is, is kind of always problem solving as well. It's, it's, you know, you know, you can say a problem is we haven't found our locations yet. So how do we go out and find more locations where a problem can be, again, we haven't cast this person yet, or there's not enough money to do this or, you know, so again, it's always, it's, there's always a problem that, and when we say problem, it's, it's really more like, this is a big puzzle and we got to figure out the pieces as we go. Uh, would you say you kind of have to have a, a pretty good knowledge of all the different departments and basically how the whole film structure has to run in order to be good at this role? Um, I would say yes. There are some people that may not know it, you know, at, uh, again, like varying levels. Um, but again, like the more you know about what you're managing, the the better you're off you're going to be, you know. And again, like it, it can be as simple as you know a department coming in saying, "Hey, we need this and we need that." Um, if you have the experience to know how the department works and what they actually need, you can go. Well, actually, you don't need that. Or you know, in 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 other cases, they they present a plan to you and you're like, "Great," but what about this? And then if you have insight on how things work, then you know, it, it just, it's just more helpful. Again, like if the camera department comes and says, oh, we'll be fine. We need, you know, we don't need too much time to prep and on the day and we don't need to come in super early and, I, uh, and I'll go, well, it's actually going to be minus four out. So you're going to have to thaw the cameras. Like we're going to have to warm up the cameras, you know, and they should know that, but maybe they were thinking, oh, we're going to save the producer some money. We don't have to come in earlier. They want to sleep in, but I know that when it's cold, you got to keep the cameras warm. So, you know, the more you know, the better. And and that's where a lot of time on set is is great. Um, you know, for young filmmakers, the more you can be on a set, the more you can learn, uh, the more you can go work in various departments. You know, it's it's all very helpful. Right. And would you say, like, even during your time as a producer, you've learned a lot about the other different departments as well and so the more you actually do the job the more you get better at it in that sense oh of course yeah 100 the more you do anything and and the more open you are to to learning uh for sure and and every movie and every tv series is different there you're never going to produce the same way it's never going to run the same way even if you have the same people uh, you know, the, the great thing with our company is that we get to use a lot of the same people all the time. It's never the same. And that's what makes it fun and interesting. You know, you're, you're again, back to the business analogy, you open a restaurant, you run the restaurant, it becomes successful, you sell the restaurant, you go open another restaurant. It's totally different. You can sell right. the same thing, but it's, it's going to be a different restaurant. You know, right. you're going to be in a different location. You're going to get different clientele. You're going to have different staff. Like it's, you know, it's always different. And that's what keeps us on our toes. And, and I think that's why a lot of us like doing what we're doing. Can you talk a bit about your relationship between your uh, yourself and the production company you work for and the networks um, that you sell uh, your films to? Um, like, uh, for example, uh, for Firefly Lane, like how did you get, um, brought onto that project and uh, how closely do you work with the uh, network executives? Yeah. Um, so shows like that, that we are hired to uh, help produce um, just like any job, we get interviewed um, mm. for Netflix specifically in that show, uh, Sean, the president of our company and I uh, actually flew down to LA. This was way pre COVID uh, we flew down to right. LA to meet Netflix at their at their offices. Um, we had a great meeting with them, and you know sometimes you never know. A great meeting can be meaning you get the job. A great meeting, you know, you may not get the job, um, and right. vice versa. Sometimes you have a meeting right. and you walk out and you're like, oh, that was horrible. I, I said all the wrong things, and then 
maybe you get the job, but you know, sometimes you don't know, but um, you know, it was quick, but we ended up getting the job, which was great. And um, yes, we work very, very closely. So again, when, when a studio hires us to produce for them, again, we are producing for them. So, you know, we work very closely with the production executives, the creative executives um, to make sure that everything is being executed in line with how they see the show and how the showrunner sees the show procedures and policies in line with their company, um, all that stuff. So yeah, especially early prep, you know, probably daily in, in contact with them once things kind of get going, you know, a little bit less. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing with studios and networks is, you know, we want to, we, we want to produce a show that doesn't cause them problems. You know, they, their job isn't like a producer. Their job isn't to put out fires all the time and and solve problems that's our job oh, okay you know um their job is to oversee but i you know and if there's big problems then definitely we you know keep them in the loop and all that kind of stuff but you know the ideal world is is uh we keep the problems away and and fix them how is your experience developing different between uh, uh tv series and uh, the indie features that you produce. And by indie, I mean like, you know, 5 million to 8 million. Is that accurate? Well, indie is a very broad term because there's Hollywood, you know, pretty large Hollywood companies that are considered indie. Um, right. So indie, indie really is, again, there's many different kind, kind of ways to fall in indie, but essentially indie is anything that's not, produced by a major studio hmm. so you know you can call pretty much any canadian feature an indie and it can be zero budget to again like there are tech there are indies that are in the 40 50 million dollar range like they're independently oh. financed they're you know don't have a major studio attached or something like that and you know there it happens um but um, back to your question about development. Um, so, so I initially started as a you know feature film, um, you know writer producer everything. Um, you know we did a couple. We did a small. My first movie with my prior company. You know we shot for three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. It was an action horror grindhouse crazy. Uh, horror film very very tarantino um and you know we just called in as many favors as we could and and the film looks great and it looks like we spent a lot of money we just didn't have a lot of money but yeah the independent um you know movie development is is really long um and it's really kind of speculative because you, you know, you put the time and money into finding a script, developing a script, you know, um, finding a director to attach, maybe if you can attach cast, trying to go get your financing, like this takes, this take could take a year or two or three, uh, or four, you know, there's, it, it's a long road. Um, TV, on the other hand, it, it, don't get me wrong, it can be very long as well. The catch with television is in order to actually produce and get a TV show made, you have to have a broadcaster. Um, you know, it's not something like a feature where you can go out and raise money and shoot your film or your TV series and then go out and sell it. Um, because a TV series will cost a lot of money and it's usually a lot longer and bigger it's really just too risky to spend all that money without having essentially somebody airing it, you know, and committing to that. So it's a little bit different in the business model and the financing structure. So yeah, that's kind of the, the answer to the, the differences. Mm. Um, can you talk about a bit more about um, how you uh, find projects, also how you find ways to sell it? Um, well, again, there's the two sides. There's the feature film side, which, you know, it's it's becoming more and more difficult to get feature films financed. Um, mm -hmm. When I first joined the company in uh, 2016, I was really focused on feature films. 
Um, but, you know, um, and even going way back to my first feature, which was 2010-ish, um, it's it was kind of the year of the decline of the DVD. So, you know, they always talk about windows of sales, like different avenues to sell something. Recently, you know, with the boom of streaming and less theatrical, it was it's just becoming a little bit harder to to finance indie features. Um, so mm-hmm. we've been doing a few, and again, mm-hmm. being Canadian, we're we're lucky. We have a great system that has like telefilm and tax credits and all that kind of stuff. So we've had a couple projects that we've put together from the ground up. On the TV side, it's about you know finding projects. Um, but also being connected to the broadcasters and finding out what they're looking for. This goes back to the whole business mentality of, you know, for an example, if you're, you know, uh, you know, if you want to get into business with something and you want to create something, the best way to find out what to create is to go to the people that are selling it and say, what are you guys looking for? What can I create that you can sell? So that's kind of like a good, right? kind of a constant thing that we're doing um, is, is, you know, keeping in touch with the broadcasters, finding out what they're looking for, finding out what the new trends are. Yeah, it is also just seeing what's out there on TV right now and like what the trends are and what's kind of hot and, you know, um, and then going out and finding that kind of stuff. And do you have connections to uh, all of the networks and are able to talk to them in order to uh, find out these answers? Um, yeah, especially in Canada, yes, we have access. Um, mm. In the States, we do as well. Again, we work kind of on both sides of the border. Um, and right. we have uh, our VP of Originals, who her job is specifically to do a lot of the things that I'm saying. As, a, as an indie producer, how do you... Um, you know, connect with these people, uh, the, the, the markets, the film markets is really the key place. Right. So you guys will go to AF, uh, AFI and whatnot. AFM. Yeah. And can is actually happening yeah, next week. Yeah. So all the big major film markets, they're all there. Uh, you can, mm-hmm. you can request meetings and get meetings set up. Um, and that's where you can pitch, pitch projects or have generals and generals is where you're just Literally, you know, introduce yourself, find out what people are looking for, let them know you're on the radar, uh, get on their radar, and and um, and then you can go find projects and stuff like that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Um, once you have a feature film that you'd like to uh, produce, do you usually need to find a distributor before you guys start shooting? Or um, are you able to find the money and create it uh, and then look for a distributor afterwards? There's so many different ways to finance a, a movie. So right. whether you get a distributor or not is is kind of a question of if you need it or not. And the reason you would need a, a distributor or, again, a, sign, a sales company is if you need additional financing. So what will happen with a lot of movies is, you know, you've got your tax credits and maybe you get some telefilm, but you need another 50% of your budget. Well, you don't have a rich uncle or you don't, you know, have, have all this cash that you can go get. So how do you, how do you get that money? And that's where pre-sales come in. So pre-sales is where you'll work ideally with a sales agent and they will go to distributors around the world and they'll pre-sell your movie based off of your script, you know, your director, your cast, um, you know, hopefully if you've got a name or two that are recognizable and, you know, people go, oh, okay, yeah, well, we had a film with so-and-so and that sold for so you know X amount of dollars. And these distributors will give you what's called a minimum guarantee. And that minimum guarantee means they're they're guaranteeing you that they're going to give you X amount of dollars. So you go around and, you know, whether you whether you do a bunch of different countries or maybe you pre-sell America or maybe you pre-sell the world to a company and you get this minimum guarantee. You take that to the bank and you can borrow against it. So that's how you essentially finance your that that's how you get the rest of the financing of your film. It's actually from the bank and not from the distributor right off the bat. Exactly. You take a loan against their minimum guarantee, or it can come in the form of a of a, a of a license fee, um, or they call sometimes called a negative pickup, where they they'll give you the money, but they're not giving it to you up front. So they give you a piece of paper saying, when you deliver the movie, we'll buy it for X amount of dollars. Then, right. then you have to go to the bank and right. you know borrow the money against that that right. document essentially. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's really fascinating. Well, thanks so much for all the knowledge bombs you dropped. Um, I have a really personal question though. Uh, have you always wanted to be a producer? Ha. <laughs> huh. Um. No, no. The the straight <laughs> answer. Um, I actually I wanted to be a writer director. Um, and this was, you know, I've, I've always written, I started writing kind of whatever scripts, stories, poems, things as a teenager, kind of as a form to escape, um, as we do. And then I got into film, uh, into stunts when I was in my early, early twenties, I actually started in my teens and then really focused in my twenties, um, established myself as a stunt performer by, going out and filming and uh, myself and a, a couple other stunt performers, we bought cameras, we bought, you know, a Mac pro pro tower way back in the day. And we would go out and film these action sequences. And, you know, this is pre YouTube. This is pre cell phone cameras. Um, and we would cut them on our own and we learned how to do some visual effects and stuff like that. And we started showing people around town. And, uh, we kind of wowed a lot of people with what we can do and it was helping us get jobs. Um, we started doing stunt previsuals, which was filming stunts that they would write and we would show the director, Hey, this is how, how we would shoot it. If we were, you know, as the action guys, and then the director would, you know, kind of take what we shot and make it his own or her own. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of directors, local directors um, that I knew, one in particular, Peter DeLuise, Peter said to me, he's like, dude, like, go make a real film. He's like, you, you, what you're doing is great. You know, write something and tell a story. You know, the action part is now easy for us. We can do that in our sleep. He's like, go focus on telling story. Um, so that's what I did. I went and wrote a short and um, 
it was based off of a Japanese um, fable uh, called The Tea Master and the Samurai. And it was kind of my modern telling of it, but still based in ancient Japan. Um, it was very stylized. We had a little bit of an anime feel to it. It was, you know, super cool. But I was kind of pitching it around to all these producers I knew, indie producers and stuff. And, and you know, they're all just busy doing their own things. So I couldn't right. find a producer. And I was kind of bummed for a while. And I was like, oh, no one wants to produce me. And and then, you know, you kind of get fed up and go, okay, well, maybe I could just do this myself. And and again, at the time, I had no idea how to produce anything. Um, but I just started, you know, looking online and reading about grants and funds and all this kind of stuff. So I applied for a bunch of grants and I got one. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I had a bunch of money to shoot my film and we shot the film and, you know, did most of the post ourselves and then submitted it to, you know, a hundred festivals and we got in like 25 of them. Um, and it was great. So then after that, I, I started producing my own shorts and then, um, uh, a couple of friends who had a production company recruited me to join them. And we, that's when I did my first feature and, um, and then everyone at that company kind of decided to go their own ways. And I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, for a while I really focused back on writing. Um, and this was about seven years ago. Um, really tried to get myself out there as a writer at the time, there still wasn't much demand or interest in Asian writers and in Asian stories. Um, so I had this opportunity to join Bright Light. Um, I had known Sean Williamson uh, for many years. He's always been kind of a mentor, um, very good friend. Uh, we actually play hockey together. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just approached him and said, hey, I'm, you know, kind of a free agent and I'd love to come work with you. And uh, he took a chance on me and gave me a, gave me a shot. Once you once you develop that friendship, it it becomes so much easier just to be uh, to be in with the group because it's it's really the relationships that you build, and once you can like foster those, it really helps, eh? Totally, yeah, totally, and that's why like I really encourage people to get out there and and meet people um, if you have the opportunity to, you know, um, volunteer or 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 anything. You know, that's that's a huge thing just just so people can get to know you they can get to know your work ethic um because yeah you know when you're working with someone and, and i and i here's another analogy for filmmaking um i always say making a movie or doing a tv series is like getting married now mm. there's sometimes where you yeah. can pick who you're going to marry and if you do that hopefully it's all great and fun but you know you're going to go through some really hard times together and some really great times but a lot of really challenging times so you might as well go through that time with someone that you like someone mm. that understands you uh someone that you understand and it just makes it a little bit easier because you like the person um and there are instances where you get paired with someone and you know you may not get along as well you still got to find a way to make the movie and try to enjoy yeah. yourself and and all that kind of stuff but it's 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 just it's just nature not everyone gets along and it's understandable um some people have different ways they work you know again it's a bonus if we if we're all friends and can go for a drink after and all that kind of stuff um but whether we get along or not for us it's it's really about uh you know producing the best product we can you know and supporting the creative and that kind of stuff so with Bright Lights, would you say you found a really good partner? It's not my partner. It's my, you know, technically employer. Um, mm -hmm. But Bright Lights very uh, family, you know, minded. Do you guys still look for uh, like people to uh, bring up and uh, anything like that? We we do. Um, so there's definitely mentorship programs like the CMPA mentorship program that we just did. We did it um, maybe a year prior to um, to COVID. Um, the thing with mentorship programs is is they're great, but they are also it's also difficult for the mentee to gain a good kind of understanding 
unless there's a lot of time and effort put into it, which is, you know, we're willing to put into, which we definitely did. These programs are great because they get people out there um, and and they help financially, which is very important. Um, but for us, we kind of follow the Hollywood model more when it comes to mentoring and bringing people up, which is hiring people either in our offices or as assistants um, that where they can be, you know, being paid to do a job, but also get access to us and and see what it's like to be in a meeting and uh you know hear how we speak to executives and see how a project is put together and all that kind of stuff so would you say the uh, uh i guess the producer's assistant and and director's assistant those would be very good uh jobs to get into just to like start your career as a producer and get to know more uh about behind the scenes of that role uh, yes, definitely. They're very uh, coveted jobs, and there's not many of them out there. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Do you yeah. want to uh, mentor more people through um, like programs at VAF and those other organizations as well? Is that something that you're interested in these days? Um. Definitely, yes. Um, when it comes to the word mentorship, people, uh, you know, a lot of senior people get a little scared because it can be time consuming. Right. Um, and that's where, like, you know, to me, there's different types of mentorship, of course. There's programs where you fully take somebody on and they're with you, you know, all the time. And it's up to you to really help support and teach them. Um, but to me... Like that's, again, that's great. That's all access. That's, you know, the dream kind of for up and comers. But again, I, we can't do that all the time. It's just, it's just, then we'd become a school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, for me through stuff like VAF and, and, you know, talking with like BIPOC film and TV um, and, and even just talking to other uh, senior members of our industry uh, the one thing that I found that I really needed when I was an up and comer was somebody to just call or message and say, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do I do? Or this happened to me. What should I do? And those questions as a mentor take a few minutes or maybe a phone call or maybe a zoom or maybe one sentence on a, on a, uh, you know, um, on an email. And that to me can be as valuable as a three month mentorship because absolutely. Yeah. For, for young filmmakers who don't know what they're doing and don't know where to go and stuff like that. Sometimes you get lost in, in not knowing where you're going. Whereas if they can say to me, Hey, what do you think about this program? Is it worth my time? then I can say yes or no, or maybe you should go do this, or maybe you should go do that. Or, you know, hey, I have opportunity to be so-and-so's assistant or go do this. And it's like, well, you know, and then I can kind of point them in that direction. And for me, and the things that I tell a lot of the other kind of senior people that I'm trying to encourage this on is, you know, if we can spend five minutes with someone and save them three months or a week, in the acceleration of their career, then we're helping bring people up quicker. And again, this is mainly, you know, f- this this goes for everyone up and coming. But of course, right now, there's this big need for, you know, diversity and Asian filmmakers, um, Asian crew and keys and everything. Um, so it's like, how do you help kind of pull them up? Um, so that's one of the, the big things that I'm looking at doing. And again, like I can, in, in that kind of capacity, I can say I'm mentoring 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have a bunch of people that randomly send me a message and say, hey, should I apply to this? What do you think? Is it is it worth my time? And what should or should I go volunteer here and, and that kind of stuff? And you know, so that's that's the kind of mentoring that I that I'm looking for, that I'm open with a lot of people. Um, many of my other talks with VAF. I just tell people to reach out, say hi, introduce yourself, tell me what you want to do. Um, 
And again, you know, they have my email address. They can ask me questions anytime. And, and that also gets me knowing who's out there because then I'll get a call and say, Hey, we need a, you know, a smart person that can do this. And, and then I can say, Oh, I just met so-and-so, you know, they're looking for an opportunity. So that's such a great mentality. I, I've never heard that before, but it's so clear. It's so obvious. Um, well, thanks so much. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. I feel like that would be a great <laughs> end to uh, all of our questions there. But I do have some rapid fire questions I'd like to end off with, with every guest. Uh, the first being, what's the worst advice you were ever given? Oh, I don't, I have no idea what that would be. Yeah, I can't think of an answer to that. Uh, that's all right. Uh, we'll move on to the next. That what's the best advice you were ever given? Um, I'll have to say it's probably from a few stunt coordinators when I was up and coming, and it was uh, be smart with your money. Um, mm. We we work in an industry where you um, you know you work hard, you work for free for a long time, or you work for very little money for a long time, and you you sacrifice and you sacrifice. And, you know, hopefully at one point you, you, you make it and you start making good money. Um, and the tendency when you start making good money is, well, I worked so hard to have, and I had no money for so long, I should, you know, spoil myself and I you know, I'm going to keep making this money and go buy a nice house and a nice car and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I was reminded early that this is a very cyclical industry um, it's a very fickle industry. Uh, you know, 2008, we had a save BC film cause we thought it was all falling yeah. apart and, yeah. you know, COVID hit and you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, um, that's one of the big things. Be smart with your money. Definitely. What would you tell your younger self, uh, before starting in this industry? I would say don't give up, which is something that I continually, said to myself. And one of the things that I did, and this kind of came from my parents because I, I dropped out of college to get into film. And the deal was if I didn't make it in film in five years, I'd go back to school. Um, luckily for me, I established myself. I made a good living and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of got in the habit of setting timelines and goals. So um and that's one thing that I tell a lot of people too. It's like, you know, especially, especially coming from Asian families where they're like, you're going to go do what, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go into film. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, chasing your dream is great. And I, and I say, do it wholeheartedly and passionately and, you know, with a hundred percent commitment, but maybe be realistic with yourself and say, you know, I'm going to give myself three years or five years or, or whatever it is. Um, and as an example, when I was 25 is when I really started to decide that I wanted to be a writer and a director. And I had just kind of established myself as a, as a, as a stunt guy. And, uh, I really wanted to make that transition. And I knew that transition was a very hard one to make. So I gave myself 10 years and I said, in 10 years, I want to be making a living off of being a writing, a writer, director, and, or producer. So ideally, essentially a filmmaker. Um, and to be honest, that 10-year mark came up and I, I hadn't really made it yet. And I wasn't making a living off of it. I was still having to do stunts and other jobs and stuff like that, which I was enjoying, but I didn't hit my mark. And I had to reassess. And I said, well, do I keep going or do I give up? You know, uh, do, I, do I go do something else? Um, so I decided to give myself a little bit more time and see what happens. And, you know, it was kind of that push for writing. And then, you know, I, I joined bright light and, and after joining bright light is when I really established myself as making, making a, a career out of filmmaking. So I was uh, probably two years behind my goal, but at least I had that goal and I was able to kind of have a point of assessment. And I guess going back to your, to your advice, don't give up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But again, like it don't give up is, 
is is important and have that mentality, but also be realistic and like, yes, there could be a moment where you, and again, like I wouldn't call it giving up if I tried for 10 years and, you know, maybe didn't make it to where I wanted to be, then, then it's just a realistic look. And then it's a shift. It's not, to me, it's not giving up. I would have shifted. I would have found something else maybe in the industry or maybe outside the industry. And uh, the final one is, in your opinion, what does a more diverse film industry look like? Oh, I think I think we're getting glimpses of it. Um, you know, obviously with you know Crazy Rich Asians and 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 Fresh Off the Boat and all that kind of stuff, but just just more authentic stories that are hitting the mark. Um, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, which is in theaters now, which is doing amazing and is amazing. Um, amazing, amazing. So you know, to me, to me, it would be when when a film is looked at as a great film and it's not as a great Asian film, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a great yeah. film. Yeah. Parasite yeah. had the same kind of, uh, inkling to that too. Yeah. Just like, just a great film. Everyone agreed. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. Exactly. It was a absolute pleasure to have you on this, on this show. Um, is there, uh, is there any, uh, social media, um, that you would like to, the audience to know of uh i'm not a big social media person although i am on facebook but i check it once every few weeks maybe um <laughs> but i do give out my email address and i encourage young filmmakers you know reach out and at least introduce yourself tell me a bit about yourself um and you know if i if i have time I, i'll we'll set up a virtual coffee or something and you know, for me, that's the best way to see who's out there and the best way to help mentor people. So my email address is aaron at brightlightpictures.com. Uh, you can find that on my IMDb or on our Bright Light Pictures website. And uh, yeah, please reach out. That's amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for that. And uh, we'll also have it on our uh, newsletter as well, uh, which you can sign up for on our socials. Um, so, uh, thanks a lot, Aaron. Uh, real, real pleasure having you here. The exciting announcement is that we recently became a community partner with Vancouver Chinese Film Festival and Vancouver Youth International Film Festival. Earlier this month, I attended the festival to discuss working in the film industry to youth and the Vancouver Chinese community. You can find some of the video clips on our newsletter as well as our Instagram. So go check out our Instagram and website. Also check out their Instagram and their website to support this uh, up and coming um, film festival. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron. Uh, We actually released a bonus episode today as well, talking with Front Row Insurance about what independent filmmakers need to know about film insurance. If you plan on making your own films, especially feature films, you won't want to miss this episode. We share a ton of important information you need to know about making a feature film. So go check out that episode now on all the podcast streaming platforms. Please go follow us on Instagram. Our producer, Nightingale, she's excellent and consistently promotes upcoming events and opportunities for BIPOC crew members in the BC film industry. So check that out. And if you missed anything on Instagram, we have an episodic newsletter where you can find all that information as well as additional information on our guests. If you want to support our podcast, go leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. That really helps us. But most importantly, share this with your friends who you think could really benefit from this episode because maybe one day they could get your film off the ground too. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I'll see you on set. Thanks for listening to BIPOC Credits by Andy Wong. This episode was produced by Nightingale. Our editor is Rihanna Toy. Graphics by Joshua Lamb. Theme music by Peter Robinson and Patrick Fiore. Intro and outro voiceover by Mike Lee. Thank you to our community partner, culturebrew.art, for supporting us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at BIPOC Credits. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, subscribe to our newsletter to get all the juicy information we didn't quite get to in this podcast. Thank you once again for listening to BIPOC Credits.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.